Well, I know a lot of folks were sending me a few people sent me some notes. They weren't coming today because of the ice, <laughs> but it's good to see all you folks here that you that you uh, get to be here with us. The children are in the service here today, so we have the pastor's treasure box out in the back. You all know what that is about, and it's always a pleasure to have you here with us. I want you, the, the children spe- uh, specifically, you guys are usually next door. I want you to be thinking about something because just in a few minutes I'm going to ask you a question. My question for you is this. I want you to think of something that is really good to you. Out of the park kind of good. This is just really, really good. Give me something that's good and then give me something that's bad. Something good and something bad. In just a minute I'm going to have uh, Brother Keith. He's going to go around with a microphone and we're going to hear what some of your suggestions are. I want to hear something good. Now, I know there's a whole mess of things, but I want you to pick one. Just pick one thing and then one thing that's bad. And we're going to get a visual visualization here of uh, good and bad. Now, I'm sure that some of you adults would have something that you could put in there as well. But we're not asking your opinion today. In the, in the Word of God, you all be thinking. I'm going to read here something for you. In the Word of God, it exhorts us not to call good evil or evil good. In Isaiah 5, verse 20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Now, it didn't just say, Woe to those who do evil, did it? It said, Woe to those who call evil good. If I get numbered among those who call evil good, there's a woe upon me. And if I call good, evil, there's a woe upon me. Now, woes are not good. At least there's only one woe. When you see two woes, boy, you know you're in bad shape. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. In other words, what is false, they put on as truth. And what is truth, they put on as false. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. That means once you see something that's good and call it evil and people come and try and tell you that's not the way that it is, you won't listen to them. You shun what they say. All right, that's our introduction here. Now, how many got got something for me? How many got something that's good? Man, nobody. Come on, guys. Max, you got something that's good? Yeah? All right. We got Max up over here. You got somebody in the back? All right. Here we got. What's good? When you go on a sled. When you go on a sled. Yeah. Sled on the snow. <laughs> that is a good thing. I, I like that. Mr. Max, what you got that's good? Fostering dogs. Fostering dogs. All right. Even when they eat your father's phone, huh? I saw. I saw that. Anybody else? We got somebody else. Put something in the running here for something good. Getting new clothes. Getting new clothes. Yeah. All right. That can be. Anybody else? All right. We're gonna move on. How about something evil? Something bad. All right, we got one in the back there. 
Oh, yeah. Taking somebody else's food away from them. That is, that is certainly bad. Oh, she has something? Give me something specific. <laughs> Ooh, that would be bad. What are you to say? Just pick something bad you did this week. <laughs> Try to pull you into that one. Pick something your brother did bad then. All right, not doing a chore. All right, we got one back over here. Not listening to your parents. Not listening to your parents. Yep, that's a good one. Uh-oh, we have an adult who wants to get in on the action over here. Human trafficking. Oh, ooh. Man, that's really bad. Wow. <laughs> no wonder I was staying with the kids. Man. <laughs> Man, I got, I got nasty. Yeah, that is just, uh, especially when you see all the other stuff that goes on along with it. That is, that is some terrible things. All right, so out of this, we, oh, we got another one? Well, we got this bad there, young man. Oh, you changed your mind? All right. So of the good things that we had, we had fostering dogs, we had Going on a sled, did I miss, was there another one? Buying new clothes. All right. How many, we want to get something that's good out of here. How many out of the things that are good, how many vote for the sled? One, two, three, four. Well, we got a lot of sleds right there. How many want to say buying new clothes? You can't vote twice. You only get one vote. This isn't the uh, presidential election here. <laughs> Only get one vote. All right. So uh, what was our third? Oh, fostering dogs. Somebody want to say fostering dogs? All right. I think it's close, but I think sled won it, won it out. All right. So, Daryl, can you find us a picture of somebody sledding? All right. I knew he would be able to do that. Now, we need the bad one, too. I don't know if I can do human trafficking because I don't want a picture of that up on our screen. <laughs> that, I, just, I despise that with every fiber of my being when they, when they do stuff like that. So we're going to go for something a little bit less bad, if that's <laughs> I think that would win it, though. Out of, of the bad ones that we had, um, give me what, what do we have that was specific? I forgot. We got, yeah, I need, I need something we can get a picture of. What is it? Vegetables. See, that was my thought. That was my thought was vegetables. That's... <laughs> We had stealing, but I don't know if I can get a picture. Can we get a picture of somebody stealing somebody else's food? What else, what else do we have in there? I don't know if we can get a picture of that. Because we're going we're gonna to do something with these pictures. What else do we have that was bad, Mr. Keith? Not listening to our parents? All right. Can you find something with not listening to our parents? I don't know. Be creative. We'll see what we come up with here. All right, but here's what the word says. It says, do not call evil good. Don't call good evil. Don't put darkness out for light or light out for darkness. 
And don't put bitter out for sweet and sweet out for bitter. Now, you've got to be careful about this. This is what the Word of God says not to do. Now, I had the, my, my best experience that I can remember is uh, on the bittersweet thing. Because how many of you can think, really, this comes to mind, switching out something bitter for something sweet. Well, I had that happen to me when we were out in Mexico. And I trusted my son. I don't know why I did that. But he had an innocent looking face and we went to the dessert table. I love Mexican food, but I think they, they missed the boat on desserts. Because we were down there, we had all these Mexican desserts. I never found anything that I liked. Couldn't find a single one. There might be some out there. Maybe just where we were at, they had a smorgasbord, all kinds of stuff. They probably just didn't put good ones out because then people would eat them. But they had this thing that looked like a cheesecake and it had some kind of a berry on top. And so we, I mean, cheesecake, that's got to be good, right? So we went over, he got one, I got one. And so uh, he sampled his and he said, oh, dad, taste the berry, see what you think. So I did. It was horrible. It was one of the most disgusting things I ever had in my life. I've never tasted anything so bad on the dessert table. And I, I said, oh, man, that is awful. He said, oh, it's not just mine then. <laughs> Isn't that just sweet of him? <laughs> he substituted so I'm thinking something sweet, and here I get something bitter. That's that's not good. <laughs> so this is what the word of God is telling you. You gotta be careful when we take something that is good and we call it evil. So we're gonna look at some of the stories in the Word of God where this has actually gone on. And I found out there's a there's a story in the Word of God that I I cannot find a single time. I taught on this story in detail. I didn't think that was going to be possible anymore. I thought pretty much you hit them all. But um, there's a story in the New Testament, and we're going to look at two of them, and I've never covered either one in detail. We've covered I mean, we read over it, but never covered them in detail. So we're going to spend detail on, uh, on just this particular story. So with that, if you return over to John chapter 2, John chapter 2, anything, anybody know anything significant that happened in John chapter 2? That is where the water got turned into wine, the first miracle of Jesus. You say, ew? <laughs> Turn the water into wine. That's over in Cana. Right after he got done over in Cana with that, he heads over to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. This is John 2, verse 13. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen, and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Now this is the first Passover Jesus does since he has entered into the ministry. Jesus ministered for three and a half years. He had about three Passovers that he was in. We all know the last one, but this is the first one. Now we know at the last Passover, he goes in there and he overturns the tables and he does all that sort of stuff. But did you know he also did it on the first one? He did it two times. When he started his ministry and when he ended his ministry. He goes into the temple and he purges it. And specifically... It says, 
he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Now, this is not the first time he's seen them in the temple. It's not the first time he's been in the temple during Passover. It's not the first time he's been in the temple, period. He's been in the temple before. Then he has probably seen this before. This is not something that has, has gone on. There was a particular high priest. His name was Annas. He got in trouble with the Romans because he took a Roman citizen and um, he did some things that legally were not allowed to be done. And he got himself in trouble and he was removed as high priest. And so then from that point on, they rotated the high priesthood between a few of his sons and sons-in-law. So he kept it in the family. But he wasn't allowed to be in there. And if you've been around here for some of the uh, Passover, uh, Resurrection Sunday times we had, you know that Annas was at times called the high priest, even though he was not the high priest. He was still seen as the high priest. A lot of confusion going on in Jesus' day as to who the high priest was and who was actually in authority. And this person was not spiritual. They were not high priests because they were so spiritual. They were so gung-ho for God. They were extraordinarily power-hungry. And what, the, what Annas had done with the sacrifices is he had perverted the entire episode. And so what had gone on in the temple was instead of being able to go into the temple and bring your sacrifice, you had to buy one of theirs. Because yours are not good enough. You have to have one of ours. This is temple-approved sheep. Temple-approved doves. And you need to come on in here and... Um, uh, and buy one of ours. It's kind of like what we have when you go to the amusement parks. What happens when you go to the amusement parks? Can't bring your own food. You got to buy theirs. And their food stinks. Right? And you got to pay three times more for it than you would normally. I mean, $6 for a piece of pizza that tastes a little bit better than cardboard. It's not a good thing to do. I mean, we've gone out there sometimes and you spend $20 for the meal got very little, and it had no flavor. Now, I've told you this story before, but if you go to SeaWorld, it all changes. Go to SeaWorld, you will enjoy eating. In fact, I almost want to go to SeaWorld just to eat. Because you can just spend, I think it's 30 bucks, and you can eat and drink all day long. You can have more than three meals. You can have the first breakfast, second breakfast, first lunch, second lunch, and third dinner, or first dinner and second dinner. You just keep on going back there and eating. Every hour you get to have a meal. That's all right. But you're supposed to go there for the rides. But their food is good. That's the only one I know of that does that. Uh, does it as well. I'm sure that there's other ones out there. We just, you know, don't, we don't get to too many of them. But this is what they did. If you come into the temple and you want to bring a sacrifice for your sins, well, you've got to buy one of our, one of our uh, livestock. We've got oxen. So you've got to buy one of our oxen. You've got to buy one of our sheep. Now, I think it is particularly interesting to note this. Look at the animals that are sold. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves. And the money changers are doing business. We'll talk about the money changers here in a minute. This is over the Passover. During the Passover, what is sacrificed? Why is it a lamb not mentioned? Now, if you go over to the, the second account, when uh, he's getting ready to be, be crucified, it's going to list exactly the same animals. Never is a lamb mentioned. Now, I did some research to try and figure out why that was, because, you know, sometimes the, the Jewish folks, they write down some stuff and they give you some details. Not a single one I could find wrote anything out about that. So I do not know why there were no lambs mentioned in there just yet. 
I am going to continue to look it up and try and find out why is it that they were not done there. Because we know that they were. They did raise special Passover lambs. Because the likelihood of you having a perfect lamb that would be suitable for the Passover is, is kind of low. Because it had to be perfect. No blemish. Nothing on it broken. And so they had a place set up in Bethlehem where they did all that. And we've talked about that particular place before. Not going to get into it here. Here right now. But Jesus goes in there. He takes a whip of cords and he, he drove them all out of the temple. With the sheep and the oxen. So apparently the sheep and the oxen must have been around there. And they poured out the changers and the money and they overturned the tables. And he said to the, those who sold, sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. We're going to get back to the doves later on. You mind if I wait until the doves, doves for later on? But he takes the oxen and the sheep. He got to whip. And he starts whipping. And I don't know if he whipped any of the people that were there. But he was not gentle with them at all. And then he goes over to the money changers. Now the money changers were here for a particular reason because on the 15th day of the month Adar, which corresponds usually to our month of March, somewhere in our month of March is where it usually falls. Not always. Because the Jewish calendar, each month is 30 days. And then after so many years, you get an extra month. We go with a leap year every four, year, every four years. That's how we correct the uh, calendar. That's how they corrected the calendar. Not the, you know, one way is not better than the other. It's just the way that they did it. That's why uh, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, keeps changing for where it, uh, where it falls because of this, this uh, difference that is going on there with the month. So on the 15th of the month of Dar, you had to collect this, this uh, tax. Over in Exodus, it talks about this ta- tax. I believe it is um, Exodus chapter 30, verse 13. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. Shekel is 20 geras, in case you were wondering. And the half shekel shall be an offering to the Lord. So it's called the half shekel tax. And so you had to pay this half a shekel. Well, they decided to come up with this law. And there's nothing in the Word of God that said they should do this. And nothing in the Word of God that says that they shouldn't do this. But they had made a decision that some of the shekels that came from far countries had, had idols on them. And they didn't want the idols coming into the temple. Now that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? So what they would do is they would set up money changers in the temple. And you would come on in to pay your, your tax. And if you came in and you had a, a, a shekel that had a foreign god on it, well, you had to exchange it. We're not accepting that. And so they would have an exchange table. And so when they set up these exchange tables, they uh, kind of like what they do today. When you go to some place and they, you exchange foreign money, U.S. money for foreign money, you know, and they keep a little bit of it. Well, that's what they did. They kept a little bit of it. But then that little bit of it that they kept began to be more and more and more. Now, you couldn't go to all kinds of places to, uh, to get this done. So they could, they could charge you a lot of money. And some people actually got rich off of this. Off of just uh, exchanging the money. So he comes over to the money changers and he flips this. So now all these coins that are in there, some of them with idols on them and some of them are, are the, the accepted currency. They went fly in all directions. He wasn't very pleased with what's going on. He says, take these things away. Verse 16. Do not make 
my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Now sometimes people want to take an application and I cannot say that this is truthfully in the Word of God. But how many of you have ever heard uh, churches picked on because they sell coffee? I'm not sure that that is what this is uh, what this verse is talking about. Now we don't sell coffee out in the back of the church. Alright? We don't have a little coffee hut set up. I'm not saying that we never would. We don't have a place for it. If we ever did have a place, maybe we would. Alright. But if we were to sell coffee that cost us 50 cents and we would put it into a nice word cup. Word or a Zoe acceptable cup. And you could not come into church with any other cup of coffee except for one that has the Zoe logo on it. And so you could only buy that over at the, uh, the back table and you had to buy that coffee. And so that coffee, instead of a, a dollar, what do they charge you? A buck over at Wawa? I don't know what they charge for coffee anymore. Is it a buck still or is that just when they do a special? That's when they do a special. So is it, what is it, $3? $2? Ten something? We all get big cups of coffee, right? We don't get, the, <laughs> you don't get those little tiny things. So if you, if you normally would spend $3, we'll say, I know Starbucks are what, five bucks a cup? They're the big ripoff. And so, and so if you came on in here and you said, no, no, if you want to have coffee, you've got to buy the special Zoe coffee and we charge you $10 a cup. I see that would be merchandising. Now we, we merchandise a little bit. We can do water. So we put water out there, but I think 50 cents a bottle isn't too bad. You know, if we did a quarter, we'd be losing money on it. If we do 50 cents, it helps pay for the refrigeration that, that keeps the gold and, uh, and stuff like that. But uh, that's about as, you know, that's the only reason that we do it on that. But if we start selling water and we put the, took off the, the uh, whatever the label is that's on there, and we, we put on a, a Zoe one, and we now charge you $5 for that bottle of water. Well, see, that would be, that would be merchandising the things that are going on making you have to get the certain one and then just charging you through the through the roof for it. And then pretty soon the emphasis of the church can be to selling the different products that you have and not doing what you're supposed to be doing as a as a church. And this is what Jesus is saying. You have put so much focus in on this that you've got all this these oxen, the sheep, the doves, the money changers, all this stuff is going on. And we're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing in the temple. So this is his first, first Passover. Can you imagine this as an introductory? First we had the wedding in Cana, and he turned the water into wine. But you know, there was only so many people there for that. Word probably spread about it. But then his, his next thing is going over here to the Passover, and then um, messing with the temple. So... In verse um, verse 18, So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Now this temple took 46 years, it said, to, to build this was, this particular temple was one built by Herod. He ripped down the one that Zerubbabel built, tore it down, and then they, they built a new one. 
He started this in about 20 years, uh, 20 years BC. So 26 years, that would put it about when Jesus was, uh, remember he was born in 3 AD, so it really is just recently finished. They may have been using it before that, but uh, it's just recently been finished. And so Jesus says to them, destroy this temple. This is the sign I'm going to give you. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now there must have been something that he was doing, pointing to himself, saying destroy this temple. But whatever it was, they decided to take it another way. And they said, what do you mean this temple took 46 years to build? And he wasn't speaking about that. Now, he made that clear in a few other places in the, in the Word of God. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about his, his own body. Destroy this temple, kill me, and in three days it'll be raised up again. But do you know that three years later at his trial, they are still misquoting him? They are still saying, he said he'd tear down this temple in three days, he'd build it back up again. Because they weren't interested in the truth. How many times have you heard people quoted? I think, you know, we can pull out presidents because presidents are, you know, they get in the, the news a lot. I think every single president since I became aware of politics, and that goes back to the Jimmy Carter era, I think every single president has been mis- misquoted somewhere. Because, you know, there's always a group who likes the president but, but didn't like the last one. Or like the last one but doesn't like the current one. You pretty much always have that going on. If you are a person who it bothers you when a president that you like is misquoted, but it doesn't bother you when a president you don't like is misquoted, you may have a problem. Now, I'm not telling you which presidents or which quotes, that doesn't make any difference. It's just, if we see something going on with one person, and we, we like that, but then it goes on with another person, and we don't like that, then we get a little bit bothered by that. You, you cannot be phased by the fact of what you like. Truth is truth. Either a person said something or it didn't. I've heard presidents, I've heard other people, they've even come up and they said, I didn't, that's not what I was saying. I was saying this and they explained it. And they still, people go out there and, and do that. And that's, that's not good. We can't be doing that. I remember the story, uh, I, I know I'm not sharing any confidence in this because Miss Ethel told the story to everybody in church. <laughs> beside that she's not one to, to hold, hold back but I'm just going to alter the story just a little bit she told a story about her new car she got in the, and the rain got in it and the rain came in and, 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 and fluttered all down now we all like Miss Ethel but say that something happened and uh, the insurance company came out and they said to Miss Ethel said, uh, we understand that you have an insurance claim and I don't know whether she did an insurance claim I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying insurance company coming out then they say, uh, we understand you have an insurance claim on your car because of some water. And uh, yeah, 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 I was, uh, did a dumb thing. I left the thing open and, and uh, well, the rain got in and, uh, and, and so forth. And, and so they, if they go off from there and they say, well, Miss Ethel, we think you did it on purpose. And we think we're going to charge you with insurance fraud. And she says, well... Well, no, well, then just don't worry about the claim. I'll, I'll just take care of it myself. No, no, no. You already made the claim. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna come out. And they begin to interview all her neighbors. And some of them come up. Well, you know, I heard somebody say that she was looking for. 
and just just making up all kinds of stuff. How many of you would that would get you mad? Or you got you mad? Yeah, because why? Because we like Miss Ethel. But if it was somebody in your neighborhood and you don't like them, what would you be saying? Well, it's about time something came down upon them. I mean, they've been lying and stealing and cheating all kinds of ways. It's about time somebody finally gets them on something. Well, you see, that's not right. Because if you are not in love with the truth all the time, you're not in love with the truth. I've got to be in love with the truth when the truth, I don't like the truth because it's with somebody I don't like. I still got to be in love with the truth. I cannot forsake the truth. And that's how the enemy can get you in. He will pull you in with your emotions. Because if I can get you to despise this person, I'll get you to love the lie. And if you love the lie, then we can, then we can do something. They did that, of course, with Jesus. They got all kinds of people to lie about them because they were not in love with the truth. So he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. They don't care about getting that clarification. Verse uh, 22, therefore when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. Now, it took the disciples all the way up until Jesus rose from the dead until they finally got this, even though Jesus was teaching them about it. We mentioned that just a few weeks ago when they got the revelation. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter spoke out of the power of that revelation. But then just after that, he, got, he spoke out of the power of another revelation, a revelation given to him by the enemy. Be careful. This is what we emphasized with before. Be careful what you speak out. Because you may speak out revelation that God gave you, and there's power to it, but you may also speak out revelation that Satan gave you, that the enemy gave you, that darkness gave you. Don't speak that out. You don't need to be speaking those things out. Be careful with what you speak. Now, Let's go over to Matthew chapter 21. I didn't forget about the doves. Verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a, of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. So this is, of course, we call the triumphal entry. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They're saying an awful lot there. Hosanna to the son of David. They're they're giving him, they're calling him basically Messiah. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is the multitudes. There's all kinds of people around there saying this. Now we know that most of these people in the multitude who are saying this in one week's time are going to be saying crucify him. See, out of their mouth they'll speak out of revelation from God and out of their mouth they'll speak out of revelation from the enemy. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now remember, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? And they said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So this is the multitude who just got done saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now the son of David, this is the, this is the one they're looking for. This is the Messiah. This is the one who's going to come and, and take the kingdom. If you were here on Wednesday night or if you tuned in on, online, we saw some, some things about the son of David that were in the Ezekiel's prophecy in this, just this last Wednesday. And they said, who is this? So the multitude said, that's most of the people that are there. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Huh. Well, that's not quite Messiah, is it? Hmm. Why did they just call him a prophet? They weren't quite sure who Jesus was. That's why they could go from the place of praising him to the place of crucify him. See, when you become convinced as to who Jesus was, you can't do that. When you become convinced of what truth is, you can't condemn truth. Let's go on. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. So apparently, when Jesus did this before, they all came back. I don't know how long it took them to come back. Did it take them a day? A week? A month? How long did it take them until they came back? Don't know. Did Jesus kick them all out at the Passover before this? We aren't told about that. But here he comes in and he casts out. And we have the same group of people. All those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now, he was kind of kind of uh, forceful with the people with the sheep and the oxen. The money changers, he overturns their tables, throws their money all over the place. But then he comes up to the, to the doves, the people that are selling the doves. Now, the doves, the reason that they're sold here is it's for the poor. If you can't afford an oxen, if you can't afford a lamb, if you can't afford a sheep, then the Word of God gave you the option to go for a dove or pigeons at, at times. And it gave you the instructions what you were supposed to do. So this is basically the poor table. When you come and you don't have money for these other tables, you can come to this table. And so what we have here is that no regular doves will do. You gotta have our doves. Our doves are special. And our doves will cost you more. So the people that are poor that the Word of God gave exemption, exemptions for, now, we're going to try and make money off of them. So if this dove should have cost a dollar, it's going to cost you five. But he's more gentle with it. Why is he more gentle with the people selling the doves? It just says he doesn't overturn the tables. It just says he takes their seats and throws them around. 
What's up with that? Takes these tables and knocks them over. But he goes over to their seats and says, hey, take that. Knocks their seat over. <laughs> the only reason I can think of on this, and again, I did a search on this trying to find some some Jewish comment or somewhere who tell me about what this is. The only thing I can come up with is that the doves are in cages and if you toss them, the doves will get hurt. He didn't need to hurt the doves. And so he just turns over, overturns the, the seats that the people sat on. Don't know if the people were still in it. He didn't say that. <laughs> He's making a ruckus. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, we've been talking in this series about getting beyond your borders. That God has given us borders, and we spent, uh, I guess it's our eighth, eighth week on this. We've looked at a lot of different borders that are set up. That a lot of people, and we haven't gotten to the faith aspect of it yet, but a lot of people have gone beyond their faith to land that their faith has not taken, and that's why they're having faith failures. We've got to learn how to expand our borders, but also how to operate within them. If we learn how to operate within the borders that we have, we will grow. If we keep trying to mess with areas that are outside of our borders, we're going to have a problem. We saw that Israel, they were given borders. This is the borders of the land. Don't mess with those people. They're outside your borders. Stay inside here. This is your borders. Take care of your borders. They didn't take care of their borders. They didn't get all the things out of their, their borders and that caused them trouble. Of course, the group we, we saw everybody was familiar with, Adam and Eve. What were their borders? Eat from any tree you want, except the tree in the center of the garden. Don't eat from that one. That's their borders. What did they want to do? They want to eat from the one they're not supposed to have. See, the enemy is always trying to get you to despise what is within your borders and to covet what is outside. Because then you don't operate where you're supposed to, and thereby you don't grow. And you're always trying to overextend, and thereby you incur wrath. We saw that, of course, when uh, Balaam and Balak, he got them to overextend their borders, and judgment came their way. But he said, you have made it a den of thieves. Now, some, somewhere they got the idea that this temple that is set up for the worship of God, and when God gave it to Moses, he said, this is the outer court, this is what you do here, this is the inner court, this is what you do here. He listed it all out. This is what you do. And they decided, well, we're going to add this section. They went beyond their borders. He didn't specifically say, don't bring these things into the temple to sell them. But apparently, Jesus believes it's pretty clear. They understood this was not what was supposed to be going on. And he made it a den of thieves. Now look at verse 14. Then the blind and lame came to him, where? In the temple, and he healed them. When I picture this story and I look at this thing going down, I see that all the space that is now vacated from the sheep and the oxen being driven out, the tables being overturned, and the, the, the people with the doves gone away. Now we got all that space. And Jesus fills it up with the lame and the blind and heals them. So because they had taken the temple and put this other stuff in there, what was supposed to go on, what could go on, didn't. So the, blame, the, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. 
But when the chief priest and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, what things? If you're going to describe something as a wonderful thing, how many believe that to be a good thing? Where's our picture? Do we have a picture? We may go back and forth between them. A wonderful thing is a good thing. So that's a, that's a, that's a good picture right there. That is somebody going down and they are having a good time. We do not have to wonder if this person is having a good time. We know they are enjoying themselves and that this sledding down the hill is a wonderful thing. It is a good thing. So when these folks came, and keep our picture up there, when these chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things. So when they looked up on the screen and they saw the wonderful thing, they say, this is terrible. How can you subject that little girl to such a frightful experience of going down a hill on an object that gets faster and faster as it goes down? What kind of peril are you putting this person in? And subjecting them to all kinds of cold. Putting them out there in all this kind of cold. Now, does that face tell you any of those things are true? No. So look at this. When the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did. So he clears out the temple from all this other stuff. And the line, the, the, the lame and the blind come in and fill up that space. And blind eyes are open. And people that are, can't walk, have difficulty walking, can now walk fine. And they, they see this. They see this stuff going on. They see the wonderful things. And the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. This is the children that are crying out this way. They were indignant. <laughs> they were upset. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things, they're seeing it. Can you imagine being in a service and seeing people that are lame, can't walk, in wheelchairs, on beds, and just suddenly getting up? Would that be exciting? How many of you that would excite you? Oh, this would be a good thing to see. You, even if you're not lame or blind, you're excited because the people that are, are getting healed. I mean, it just, that just makes us feel wonderful. Someone who couldn't see. Now they can see. I mean, you can just, you don't have to, to experience that. You can just feel the joy. Oh, glory to God. This is good. It takes a special kind of person who can look on that and get indignant. But they didn't. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you not, do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? In other words, if you want to get real good at praise and worship, you better get as good as the kids. He's not bothered by it at all. They're, they're saying, shouldn't you shut this down? They shouldn't be saying this stuff about you. You're just a man. You're just a prophet. Maybe. Not even sure about that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing. 
Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. What was good was called evil. What was evil in the money changers and the people selling the overpriced livestock was called good and put into the temple and given prominence. They did exactly what the Word of God said not to do. They called evil good and good evil. They saw Jesus doing wonderful works and what did they call him? Evil. They saw each other doing terrible things, planning people's deaths on the Sabbath. And what did they say about each other? We're good. We sometimes think in this day and age when we see so much evil, so much bad stuff going on, that it's new. But evil has been called good since the Old Testament, the New Testament, and even today. We call good evil in the way we see the the gospel blocked from schools and in curriculum because they're calling the gospel evil. We can't allow that kind of stuff to be in the schools. Women, women, Men and women of God get mocked, misquoted, and lies to attack their character. And even when things are made right and things become known, they don't care. Truth is mocked and replaced with unfounded myths and theories. Instead of a God who created the world, we come up with a theory. And we pass it off. This is how it happened. You weren't there. You weren't even there. I heard somebody talking about uh, Darwinism. Now, you know, Darwin renounced the theory uh, before, before his death. He, he came up with it. He was just sort of thinking about it. And he said, nah, that didn't happen. And not, they, don't always, they don't always tell you that, but Darwin renounced it before. Uh, I don't know how soon after he came up with it. But, of course, they grabbed hold of it. It's a lie. They grabbed hold of it and went on. Do you know that Darwin came up with that theory before DNA was known? Before the science of DNA was known? Because if you know the science of DNA, you know that what Darwin proposed was impossible. But if if you acknowledge that DNA recounts that, then you have to acknowledge there's a creator who put the programming into DNA. See, the DNA code tells you exactly what you will be. And the DNA code of a rabbit will not produce a turtle. <laughs> no matter how much mutation goes on. They'll, give, they'll sell you on things like survival of the fittest. And God has given us and animals the glorious ability to adapt to our surroundings. You adapt every year. You may not even be aware of it. How many of you know that if you have a 40 degree day in May, it is cold. If you have a 40 degree day in January, you're taking stuff off. Why? Because you adapted. Some adaptations, some adaptations take on a little bit more permanent thing. Some, uh, some birds have gotten longer claws, but they're still a bird. Some of them have gotten longer beaks. They're still a bird. Then it changed from being a bird. They didn't go to being a dog. They're still a bird. Because God put in their DNA to be a bird. It may be that some of the birds with longer beaks can suddenly survive better. Then they'll, they'll stick around a bit more. But see, that, that's not saying that there is no God. That's saying that God has given us the ability 
that no matter what happens in this world, we can adapt. Thank God for that. But we call what is good evil. We have what God called marriage. It's not called marriage anymore. And it's being polluted with all sorts of things because we want evil to be called good. We had the confusion of genders. So much so that people want to come up with more than the male and the female. I like the TV show that actually had the guts to put that on the, in their show. When, he, when uh, Tim Allen opened his speech, ladies and gentlemen, oh, you can't say that. Remember that? Anybody ever see that speech? I love that speech. That was a great one. Can't say that. What do you mean? That's not all inclusive. That's all there is. No, not anymore. Confusion of genders. That's calling what is evil good. Terrorists are praised and heroes are mocked. And we've seen that constantly over over the years. But how much in the last week or two where a, a man who slaughtered thousands of his own citizens, hundreds of Americans in terrorist attacks, then plotted more and he was taken out. How many saw countless reports how evil it was to take him out? Now, I, I, like I told you, if it's wrong for a president to take out a terrorist who's a military leader who's uh, killing his own citizens and plus citizens of our country, if that is wrong, then it's wrong for any president. I've seen the numbers that uh, President Obama and I'm not picking on him for this. You know, I can have presidents that I like and don't like, still do things that I like. He took out a lot of terrorists. He didn't take them prisoner because he didn't want Gitmo to be, be going on. So instead, he just authorized them to be killed. I saw the numbers that just got published. There was one attack they're talking about here for, for Trump. He had over 300. And I'm not picking on him for that. Take, you have enemies of the country who want to hurt other people? Take them out. I don't care what letters after your name. If they're bad people, they need to go. Now he took out, I mean, he took out a lot. I don't think any president up until this time, including the current one, has taken out more terrorists than President Obama. He took out, I, 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 I saw the numbers. I don't remember the numbers, but I think he had over, over 300, 360 something, I think is, is, is what's kind of in my head, uh, attacks, drone attacks to take them out. And the numbers of the ones that had gone out was in the thousands. But that was okay? But this one's not? No, I think both were okay. If, there, if you have terrorist people who want to harm innocent people, take them out. That's what God does. He takes them out. That's a good thing. And, uh, I don't know if you ever heard this. I heard him say it. And it didn't bother me one bit at all. President Obama was talking about it himself. And his, uh, he, he said he picked the targets. Fine. I'm okay with that. He said, it ends up, speaking of himself, he said, ends up, I'm pretty good at this killing stuff. He actually said that. <laughs> now, now he's, he's talking about not, not killing just regular people, killing people who mean harm to other folks. So that didn't bother me. You see, if I'm going to let that bother me for a president I don't like, how can it bother me for a president I do? I don't understand that. Truth is truth. If it's right to take evil people out, then it's right whether you like the president or not. It's right. And that's what he, what he did. And so, um, 
It was helpful. But right now, we had, we had news people who were singing more praises for a terrorist than they did for the fallen Americans who were killed trying to save people. I think that's, that's ridiculous. Look what happens in our courts anymore. The truth is not, not brought out. We had a, I heard there, there was one guy who uh, pled guilty to, a, to something. I forget his name now. Uh, he was um, a security secretary or something like that. Um, and he just withdrew his, his guilty plea because the government reneged on not giving him any jail time. Now, the reason he went for the, for the guilty plea, the reason he went for the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, I can't even think of the name of it now. What is it when you make an agreement? Plea bargain. That's good. Thank you very much. The reason he made the plea bargain was he couldn't afford the court anymore. Because when the government comes against you, they have all the taxpayer money and you have your money. And he went from a pretty good sized nest egg to nothing. He had no money anymore. And so he pled guilty because he can't afford the lawyers. But he didn't plead guilty because he thought he did something. He pled guilty. He says, if you plead guilty, you'll get no jail time and it'll, this will stop. And so he did it. Well, they reneged on that and they said, we're not, we're going to have you go six months to jail. So he said, well, I'm going to pull my, my plea bargain. But you see, they're not interested in the truth. I don't care what letters after the guy's name or whose president he served. And I believe, actually, he served two presidents. It, it doesn't matter. It'd be wrong. Don't call good evil. If people are being conspired against, for something that they didn't do, that's evil. They don't call it good. Sometimes we can call it evil good and good evil in our own lives. When God has spoken to you and given you revelation, how many, how many can say that God at one time in your life, at least one time, spoke to you and gave you specific revelation on something? Now, Maybe it's happened more than once. I'm just saying one time. God gave you specific revelation on something and then down the road, it seems like that might not be true. You ever had that? God gave you revelation and then all of a sudden, well, that may not be true. I'm not sure that what God said, God said. And what happens is what we once spoke good about, now we speak evil. Well, I'm not sure that God really said that. I'm not sure that was from God. See how the temptation can go? We can take what was good and begin to speak evil of it. Give you another example. Did God really heal you? Have you ever have have you ever been healed of something in your life? Raise your hand up. I've been healed of something in my life. All right. Down the road, you got hands laid on you. You asked. Uh, you you prayed, took authority over whatever it was. You did. You. Um, Whatever you, you did, you received healing in your body and you felt that that thing was gone. The sickness, disease, pain, whatever it might be, you felt that thing was gone. And then, a month down the road, you begin to feel it. What happens on the inside? I thought I was healed. Did, I thought God healed me of that thing. Have you, haven't you ever wrestled with those, those thoughts? Brother Hagin put out that little mini book. You can read it in like an hour. Not even that. How to keep your healing. That's one of the things he talked about. Sometimes the enemy wants to try and get in there and you believe that you were healed. You believe you received something from God but he starts giving you these little, eh, did you really get healed? 
and what was good and what I spoke good about, now suddenly I'm speaking evil about. Well, I guess God never did heal me. And then sometimes people even graduate to the point and they say, I don't think God heals anymore. Because I didn't get healed. I thought I was healed. I didn't get healed. God's given you revelation, given you light on a situation, told you how you can overcome something, giving you light into that thing. Here's what you do. And you start to do it. And then the, the enemy counterattacks. Oh, I thought I had the victory on this. I thought what God was telling me was going to work. And you see, we take what was good and we speak evil about it. We come out of a church service and God moved and worship. God moved and people were ministered to. God, God moved and revelation came and all sorts of stuff happened. Come out of that service. Oh man, that was good service. That was good service. And an hour later, we're speaking the same nasty stuff we were speaking before. Just like it didn't change you at all. How about, has God really blessed you? Have you ever taken a job? You were asking God, God, I need a job. I need a different job. I need a better job. Anybody ever ask God for that? I need a different job. I need a better job. And a different job or a better job came along. You took that better job and you're in that better job and all of a sudden that better job didn't look like it was so good. The people were nasty. They started doing some funny things with your payroll. Whatever it was, was going on. And you can begin to say out of your mouth, I wish I didn't have this job. What have you just done? I spoke evil of what was good. No, what we ought to do. Thank God for the blessing of this job. I thank you, Father, for this blessing. You gave it to me. And when you give me something, it is a blessing. Remember Jeff and Chris Hickson? I remember their words all the time when they would say this. They, where they would talk about their job. And their job would make changes. They were paid by commission. And their job would make changes. And every time the job made changes, this is what you hear out of Jeff and Chris's mouth. You would hear them both out of, they both say the same thing. Whatever changes such and such business makes will benefit the Hicksons. And constantly, remember, how many of you remember here when they, remember them saying it? Whatever changes they make will benefit the Hicksons. They constantly said that. Even though the change that was made looked like it was taking money out of their pocket. But see, they wouldn't speak evil of what God gave them. We've got to have that kind of commitment. You get that new job and the enemy starts to throw a, a, a monkey wrench in it. What do you say? This is my job. This is my blessing. Devil, you're not going to mess it up. And you're not going to look on it as evil. Do not speak evil of what is good. Do not call what is good evil. But some people will say, God, I wish you never gave me this job. Isn't that what Israel did out in the wilderness? Wish we were never here. Should have stayed over there in Egypt. That would have been better. They spoke evil. But what God did for them is good. How about a, you got a new friend? Think of the last time you got a new friend. And uh, something happened with that new friend. And you had reason to doubt that new friend is not a blessing right now. But you asked God for a new friend and that new friend came along and the devil just wants to put a spotlight on some things, show you some imperfections in that new friend. 
You see this a lot of times with little kids. You know, little kids going to school and they get a friend and they're best friends until something happens. Well, they said this about me and then they're no longer friends. Can lose a blessing. How about a new opportunity? God gave you a new opportunity. New opportunity to make money, new opportunity to do something. And then we were excited in the beginning. But then we begin to speak evil about it. How about the ministry that you're in? God gave you, God gave you a ministry. You're over there doing the ministry. And then the devil comes along. What benefit is it that you watch these few sheep? David probably heard that a few times about his sheep. Don't despise what God has given you. I told you. I've told you this a number of times. You are in a training ground for what's coming next. What happens here is small-time potatoes compared to what's going on next. You've got ministry here for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. You're looking at an eternity on the other side. You are being developed. You are being trained. How, do you, how well do you stay within your borders? How long do you speak good of what is good and evil of what is evil? Or do you mix it up? Do you start speaking good of what is evil or evil of what is good? We've got to be careful. We've got to be watchful because the enemy is constantly trying to get you to see what God blessed you with as good and to speak of it as evil. <clears throat> and to see what he's given you that is evil and to speak of it as good. I'm sure nobody here in this church would ever do this. But you may know other people from other churches who have done this. And they get a sickness or disease or injury. And they talk about how blessed they are that God allowed this to come upon them. They lost someone close to them in their family. And they talk about how blessed, how much of a blessing it was. That this person is now in heaven and, and well, God needed them more than I did. And all these different things. That they would say. Don't speak evil of what is good. And don't speak good of what is evil. Know what the truth says. If the truth says this is evil, it's evil. If the truth says it's good, it's good. Just like taking out a terrorist who tries to kill other people. Taking them out to me in the word of God. It's a good thing. I don't care who did it. It's a good thing. And I am glad when they're gone. Because they're not content to just be evil themselves. They've got to spread that evil amongst other people. If you just want to be evil yourself, fine, stay amongst yourselves and be evil. But when you start going out and begin to affect other people with that evil, changes their plan that God has. You know, he'd love to see you come into the family. But he's not ready for you to be going out there hurting all the people to get that done. Be careful with your words. I want you to, this week, be watchful of your words. Am I speaking good of what is evil? Am I speaking evil of what is good? If the Word of God shows me that something is good, always out of my mouth should be words that praise it. It is good. This is a good thing. And even when things go on and makes it look like, hey, maybe this isn't as good, God gave it to me. If God gave it to me, it is a good thing. 
And every, all the time we go, Father God, I thank you that this is a good thing. Children are a good thing. And we say children are a good thing, but then they act up. And they misbehave. And then what do we say? We stay with it. Glory to God. Children are a blessing. They are a good thing. Your house is a blessing. It's a good thing. Your car is a blessing. It's a good thing. The new clothes you got, that's a good thing. Be glad and bless God. You should just go on through and just look at the good things God has given you and just bless God for it. Father God, I thank you for this. I thank you for this person in my life. I thank you for this situation. I thank you for this job. I thank you for this opportunity. And don't speak evil of them because the enemy will always fuel you with things of evil that you can speak about the gifts that God has given you in your life. But see each gift as a gift and remember how good it is. This is the borders of which we are to do. In that one, uh, those two verses in Isaiah, he gives us some borders. Don't speak evil of what is good. Don't speak good of what is evil. And the other things that he said there as well, bitter and sweet, light for darkness. Don't do it. Stay with it. It'll change you. It'll help you. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Well, Father, I thank you that in our life you have given us blessings. They don't always seem to be as much of a blessing as they once were. Sometimes we get kind of used to them. They get a little wore out. But Father, they are a blessing. I thank you that you will keep in our mind this verse to not call what is good evil and to not call what is evil good to stay mindful of the blessings of God that they are blessings the curse it's a curse curses will always be a curse blessings will always be a blessing and even in your word in Deuteronomy you list a whole section of the chapter These are the blessings of God. In another area, these are the curses. If we ever want to know what the blessings are, we just go to the blessing chapter and look at that. Go to the curse chapter and we look at that. Because what is a curse is always a curse. What is a blessing is always a blessing. When you speak revelation to us, it's always revelation, it's always light. Even when the enemy tries to come around and tries to cloud that revelation with other things to make it seem dark. Father, we can hang on to that revelation you've given us. We may not even be fully understanding of everything that you said. But just as the disciples remembered the words of Jesus about the temple being rebuilt and recalled them when Jesus was resurrected. There are some revelations you have spoken to us and we don't quite understand all the light that that brings. But we keep it in mind because understanding will come. But out of our mouth we will not call evil what you have called good. And we will not call good what you have said is evil. Thank you, Father. 
that you love us, that you care for us. And the love that you have for us is a good thing. I give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be praying for you all this week. That what is good jumps out at you. This is good. What maybe you lost sight of as being good is going to come back strong. This is, boy, this is better than I thought. This is good. Because what, what God gives is good will always be good. But just know the enemy will try and make it look bad. Don't let him. Stand up to him. Good things will come about. After service this morning, we have the class in him. And um, if you're planning on staying for that, you can go out and get some lunch. Come on back, let my wife know. It's always uh, helpful to know who can stick around. We're missing some of our regulars here today from the ice. But uh, <coughs> let us know you want to come back and stay. And uh, we'll have that going on at 1 o'clock. Brother Keith.